usually pursue. See what it feels like to lean back and to give your partner space and to let them come to you. And if you usually distance, um, see what happens when you move forward, when you give love, when you give affection, when you turn towards your partner instead of turning away. All right. Hi, guys. It is Sunday, August the 18th, and I am going to do a little weekly cosmic update. So one of the things that I've decided to do with these is not to really prepare anything. Um, one of the things that, that's in my human design, actually one of the few things that I've been consciously aware of throughout my life in terms of the the gifts and the powers that are held within my human design chart is something called the 4323 channel. It is, um, some people call it the freak to genius channel. And basically what this is, is my, uh, my ability to speak to and, and pull in whatever information needs to be um, kind of said or distributed is hugely about me being in the moment and not preparing too much. And I've actually always said this. I remember even when I was in, you know, like in university and stuff, I wouldn't really prepare you know, if I had to do a public speaking thing or I had a presentation, I would literally just research about the thing, make a really um, fundamental kind of PowerPoint, and then go in and just speak. I wouldn't prepare what I was going to talk about at all. And um, so when I found out that I had that that channel in my human design chart, I was not surprised at all. And so that's, you know, basically what I'm going to do every Sunday is just turn this on and and start talking. And so one of the things that I want to do every week is answer your questions. And so I if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw that I posted, you know, sometime this week, I can't remember what the day was, but I posted you know, send me your questions and I'll answer them. And so I'm going to start with that. Um, okay, so <clears throat> what is the difference between Vedic astrology and regular astrology? That is a really good question. I don't know exactly. Like they have their own whole system of doing things. They still use the 12 zodiacs. They still have a house system. Um, the house systems correlate very closely to the western house systems, although they're, they're a little bit different. Um, Vedic astrology is, is interesting because the way that they read it, they read it in a very um, concrete kind of way. So it's very Descriptive. Um, it's really like old school Vedic astrologers will say like don't leave your house on this day and don't do you know all these certain things because they read it very literally and they can get a lot of information with that. My understanding of Vedic astrology is that it's really deep. It's really intense and honestly it, you know it's a it's a, a craft that you have to study for you know, probably a long time because they, um, they, they do interpret it in such a concrete kind of 
way. Um, they have different ways of, of looking at, at different things. Um, I'm just kind of Googling it right now. Like different um, terms for things. Yeah, and they interpret the signs a little bit differently. I think Vedic astrology is really, really, really cool. It's something that I would like to get into eventually. Um, but like I said, it's really intense and there's a lot of study that goes along with it. I know a few people who have gotten their Vedic charts read and the Vedic astrologer was able to tell them about their um, partners and like really, really small significant details about their partners not just like like in western astrology we can look at you know the type of people that you're most likely to be attracted to what you're like in relationship we can even tell you about timing and cycles and and when you met your partner there's a very predictive aspect of that but my understanding of vedic astrology is that it goes a little bit deeper than Western astrology. Western astrology is also very personality based. It's very, um, you know, evolutionary. It's about growth. It's um, a psychology based system. It's not really used. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Some Western astrologers obviously do predictive work, but not in the same way that Vedic astrology does. So my um, recommendation would be to get a reading of both, you know, try the Vedic approach and, and try the Western approach and then just see which resonates more for you because they'll give you different information using the same tool. So yeah, if I, you know, maybe I'll have a Vedic astrologer on the podcast. That would be really cool. Okay, so... What is Chiron? So Chiron is the wounded healer. It tells me, you know, in your chart, it is the part, you know, it's, it's a really tender, juicy kind of part in the natal chart that a lot of people kind of gloss over and don't look at. But there's so much growth and wisdom available in your Chiron placement. So your Chiron placement will tell me where you're likely to play small. It'll tell me where you have a lot of, um, whether you want to look at it from like childhood fear and trauma or past life fear and trauma. You just have a lot of old stuff that you're carrying um, in regards to that house or um, the energy of the zodiac that Chiron is in. Also, any um, relationships between other planets. So this is often deep, deep, deep soul level healing work that we have to do. And um, when you do that work, you're able to use the the wisdom that you've gained to, to help other people heal often. Um, like I said, Chiron is the wounded healer, so he really took his own pain and his own um, journey and, you know, used it to help other people overcome similar kind of things. And that that's the energy of Chiron. So, for example, for me, 
I have Chiron and Leo in the eighth house. So uh, creativity, romance, um, being really playful and um, in my you know, deepest expression of joy. That's actually something that I had a lot of, of wounding around. I had to do tons of work, you know, a few years ago to allow myself to be seen creatively. I would have never imagined that I would have a podcast or that I would be sharing my writing with the world, anything like that, because um, I was so scared of sharing myself in that way. I had to do a ton of work to work through those blocks. Um, and I've had a few past life regression kind of things that have told me that, it, you know, that could be attached to past life energy. I also know that when I was a kid, I was highly creative. So I was always writing songs and singing and dancing and painting and... Um, Creativity was not, I don't want to say that it wasn't accepted in my family, but I got a lot more um, reassurance for good grades and being smart and being helpful. My, you know, creativity was never, it wasn't um, supported in the way, in a way that made me feel good about it. So for my Chiron, I had to do a lot of work around creativity and then also around opening myself up to affection and romance and all those other um, Leo-y kind of things. I, I'm a naturally very affectionate person, but it took me a long time to feel comfortable in being affectionate with other people. That was something that I withheld a lot. Um... Yeah, so Chiron is, it's deep, it's intense, there's a lot of information there. Um, I mean, really, if you can figure out your Chiron placement and start working through it, that is where some of the the deepest and most profound healing can come in terms of astrology. Okay, next question. What is the difference between a birth chart reading and a current chart reading? Okay, I love these questions. These are so good. Um, okay, so a birth chart reading is when we look at um, like literally the map of all of the, you know, the map of the solar system at the time that you were born. So your birth chart tells me, you know, exactly to what degree each of the planets, you know, where they were in which signs. So I can look at your chart and say, okay, Mars was at 12 degrees of Virgo. And Jupiter was at 22 degrees of Leo. And, and all of that information. And then, you know, when we know your birth time, um, we can, you know, position those in different houses. And so that impacts the way that different things are expressed. So your birth chart really is, it's your map. It's your cosmic roadmap. It, it tells me about what you are here to learn. It tells me about what gifts you have, um, how you process emotion, what family life looks like for you, um, what your career might look like, all of those different things. So it's, it's really a personality map in many ways, but also it, it tells me about the unfolding of your life. Um, a current chart reading, so I'm not 
sure. I'm assuming that, that this person was asking about transits. And so that's when we take your birth chart. And over top of that, we overlay where all of the planets are right now. And so that'll tell me about certain um, cycles that you're in. So different parts of your chart will be activated at different times, depending on what's going on cosmically. So for example, I can look at your chart and say, okay, so you have Venus coming upon your ascendant. So meaning, you know, say your ascendant or your rising sign is at 12 degrees of Sagittarius and Venus is currently at 10 degrees of Sagittarius. That'll tell me that you're about to start a whole new Venus cycle. And so when Venus approaches the ascendant, we get a lot of new opportunities for love, for romance, um, to increase our self-worth. We tend to be very popular during that time, all of those different things. So um, transits tell me about cycles. Okay, next question. When is the best time to have an astrology reading? This is, I mean, any time is a good time to have an astrology reading, although there are times that are a little bit more, um, that just make more sense, I guess. Um, it makes sense to have an astrology reading on your birthday especially if you're getting a dual reading. So you're getting a, a birth chart reading, but then also getting a solar return reading. So that's basically, um, it's a birthday reading. It tells you a little bit about what you can expect in your life over the next year. Um, another good time to have an astrology reading is when you are um, just feeling a little bit lost about who you are and you need to reconnect back to your authentic self. Sometimes we can get off course. Sometimes we get so focused on what the world wants from us and, and who we think we should be that we forget who we really are. And so an astrology reading, because the astrologer is speaking to your authentic self, you know, not the, the shell that you're pretending to you know, be. Um, an astrology reading is really good if, if you need, you know, to reconnect back to yourself. So anytime you're feeling lost in that way, and, you know, anytime you need to feel empowered and confident in who you are, because a good astrologer, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to show you how powerful and magnetic and beautiful you are. And they're trying to speak to the God in you or the universe in you, the love in you, all of that. So anytime you're feeling down and you just um, need to reconnect back to yourself is a good time. Um, when you're working through any sort of, you know, reoccurring pattern or you keep hitting a dead end in certain areas of your life, it can help to get an astrology reading just to, to develop a deeper understanding of that thing. Often the patterns that show up over and over and over again are part of the lessons that we're here to overcome and understanding that can take some of the sting out of it it can uh, depersonalize it a little bit and then it can also give you you know a deeper understanding of of how to work through it in a way that feels good for you um 
Yeah, I mean, those would be the best times, I would say, you know, anytime you just need a little bit of extra support. And then also during your birthday, those would be the best times. But any time is a good time, especially if you're curious about it, right? You, it definitely doesn't have to be your birthday and you don't need to be struggling in order to book in for a session. Um, <laughs> how do I better react to my Leo moon? Oh man, I love this. Um, <laughs> there's just like also so many emojis. So I wish you could see this. It's like, how do I better react to my Leo moon with a couple of exclamation marks and then crying emoji, swearing emoji, brain exploding emoji, hug emoji, silent emoji, mad emoji, crying emoji. <laughs> This person was having a rough day. Um, I'm assuming that they're talking about like the passion and the, the fieriness that comes from this moon sign. So generally Leo moons, if, if you guys are not channeling your passion into creativity or self-love, um, shit can get derailed pretty quickly. So if you find that you are overreacting to things, if you feel overly sensitive, especially with your partner, um, if you are just like really irritable and not doing well emotionally, you might need to, um, Either that means that you have too much seriousness in your life, so you're not making enough space for play and creativity and fun, or it means that you don't have enough people around you that speak to like the queen or the king in you. And what I mean by that is Leo moons really need to be adored for who they are. And they need to be respected as leaders. Um, and you guys really benefit from having people in your life that see, um, you know, the grace and the power in you. So if things feel off emotionally and you're having a hard time staying composed, it's usually one or both of those things. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, next question. Long distance relationships. Okay, so this question, I actually get this question a lot, probably because I am currently in one. Um, this is tough because long distance relationships are difficult, but they also can create so much space for learning how to be intimate with another person while also holding on to yourself. So my best, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming she's asking like how to make them work. That's a, a really individual thing. And um, if you're in a long distance relationship, that takes open communication and having conversations about what you both need and what works for you. So there's a lot of 
articles and stuff on the internet that can, you know, they can help for sure. But for the most part, what works for one couple isn't necessarily going to be the same thing that works for another. So it's really, really important with long distance relationships to figure out what your boundaries are and what your needs are. And to also focus on cultivating your own life outside of the relationship. Because if the relationship becomes the center point of your life, while you are long distance, it's going to create, um, it's likely to create a lot of, you know, unnecessary expectations. This can be a really good time to strengthen your, um, your connection to yourself and to work through any abandonment fears you have, any fears of rejection, any, um, you know, to strengthen your ability to sit in uncertainty. And then also it can strengthen your ability to ask for what you need because with long-distance relationships, um, there isn't a lot of space for for distancing emotionally. I mean, you have to stay connected in that way because you can't be connected physically. So I definitely am in the camp of I think long-distance relationships can work. And in fact, I think that some people really thrive in them. And the, the best advice I could give you is to be honest with yourself about what you need in that relationship and how long you're willing to do it for. There's, there's you know, nothing wrong with saying, yeah, I can do long-distance, but only for this amount of time. And then we have to figure it out. Okay. Um, okay, navigating attachment styles. Again, this is a big question. Um, so I'm going to assume that she is talking about when your attachment style is different from your partner's. My first recommendation would be to read all about it, to get really clear on your own attachment style. And to know, especially if you're anxious or avoidant or um, disorganized or any of, you know, the, the non-secure attachment styles, it's really important to get clear on what, you know, what your attachment style is and what type of neuroses <laughs> is attached to that. You want to know who you are. And you want to know why you respond in the ways that you respond. So, you know, if you're anxious, you have to learn how to self-soothe. You have to learn how to work through any fears that come up for you when your partner needs space or when they're trying to express their individuality. If you are avoidant, you have to learn how to speak up when you're unhappy you have to learn to connect to your emotions so that you even know when you're unhappy. And you have to learn how to not um, put your partner on a pedestal and then take them down and then put them on the pedestal and then take them down. So learning how to be more grounded and present in the current relationship that you're in. If you're in a relationship where you have different attachment styles, so typically that would be an anxious person um, with an avoidant person. I mean, if you're an anxious person that's with a secure person or an avoidant person that's with a secure person, that's going to be fine because the secure person will um, work to ground the other person's attachment style typically. 
So when we see the biggest problems in relationship that are attachment style based, it's because one is anxious and one is avoidant. So the best thing to do is to notice what part you play in that dynamic. What I see a lot with this is um, pursuer distancer. So the anxious person will become the pursuer and the distancer or the avoidant person will become the distancer with everything. So um, with intimacy, with managing conflict, with you know, spending time together, whatever the thing is. And so you want to disrupt your pattern because if you guys get stuck in those same patterns or in that dynamic, over time there's going to be um, a lot of work that you have to do to undo that and to get unstuck from that pattern. And it also creates a lot of resentment and um, fear in the relationship. So if you usually pursue, see what it feels like to lean back and to give your partner space, and to let them come to you. And if you usually distance, um, see what happens when you move forward, when you give love, when you give affection, when you turn towards your partner instead of turning away. So my best bet, or my um, best piece of advice with that would be to learn about attachment and then just get curious and practice doing something different and see what shifts and moves. <laughs> okay, were there any other questions? I think there were. Let me just... More about human design. Okay, so... Um, the episode that's launching on Thursday is all about human design. So I will leave that conversation for then. I'm really, really, really excited about it. So if human design is your jam, definitely tune in on Thursday. I have, um... Jacqueline from Interior Creature. I had a you know an interview with her and we talked all about human design. So um stick around for that. That one's gonna be really good. And I thought there were more, but maybe that was it. Okay, yes, so How does astro compatibility work? So compatibility in astrology is about so much more than your sun sign. Typically what I'm looking at when I'm looking at a, a compatibility chart or a synastry chart um, is I'm looking for, the first thing I look at is, is moon. Are your moons compatible? And if not, uh, what do we need to do so you can understand each other better? Then I look at, at any points of connection in the chart. So I'm looking at Venus, Saturn, the Moon, Mars, typically. Um, I'm looking at the Descendant. So it's really a synthesis of both of your birth charts together. So astrocompatibility is definitely not like, oh, I'm a Taurus and and he's a Gemini, so we're never going to work. That That's not how that works at all. Although you might be more prone to dating one sign because that sign is either it's on your descendant or it's your Venus or it's your Mars. Um, so you might definitely have some signs that you find yourself more attracted to, but that doesn't mean that you're necessarily more compatible with those people than you are with others. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I'll do a, a whole episode on compatibility because it's it's really big. Um, but the biggest thing to know with it is that it, it's, I, in my opinion, you can actually be compatible with anyone. Like as long as you're attracted and, and you want to build a relationship, if you're willing to do some work, you can be compatible with anyone as long as you own yourself fully and give the other person you know full permission to be who they are as well and then you learn how to work with that instead of trying to change each other and make each other be you know whoever it is that you want the other person to be okay so this week, what is happening cosmically? Um, we have, you know, what planets are even retrograde right now? Let me see. So Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, Pluto, the North Node, and Chiron. But no personal planets. So we're, we're out of the uh, retrograde shadow for Mercury. And Jupiter also went direct last week, which is when Uranus went retrograde. We kind of, you know, uh, did a little switch. On the same day that Jupiter became direct, Uranus went retrograde. Um, so all of our personal planets are moving as they're supposed to, which is really, I mean, this the energy this summer was really slow and heavy and sticky. And so now we're finally, you know, kind of, you know, propelling forward and, and we're finally in a space where we can start to make things happen. And so that's what I would encourage you to, to do this week is to look at where have you been stuck or where have you been contemplating and now that you've done a lot of that inner work and that reviewing and, and rewinding and looking over, what steps do you have to start making towards your goals? Because that's where we're going now. Um, okay, so this week we had Mars moved into Virgo yesterday. So now is a really good time. You know, when with Mars and Virgo, when we are trying to be productive or passionate, um, we tend to be really detailed and organized. So now is a really good time to make a plan for how you are going to create changes in your life. So whether that's work or with your health or with your relationships, you know, taking inventory of what needs to be done and getting organized and clear, that's, you know, the, the best use of your, you know, active masculine principle right now. And then we have, um, so Venus is in Leo right now. So over the last little bit, um, we've all been feeling pretty light and flirty and sexy and, you know, wanting to go dancing and, and shower our, our um, significant others with love and gifts. And um, on Wednesday, Venus is going to move into Virgo, which brings, um, <laughs> it brings all of that like fire and passion back down to earth a little bit. And so that's a really good time to um, 
connect back to devotion and service, especially in relation to your relationships, but then also with yourself. So looking at how can I um, practice being devoted to myself? So do I need to eat better? Do I need to sleep better? Do I need to meditate more? Um, in what ways can I, you know, kind of clean up my act so that I can take better care of myself so that my self-worth expands and I become more magnetic for the things that I am trying to call into my life? Um, on Wednesday, we also have Mercury trine Jupiter. Um, and so that's just a really fancy way of saying that it's a really good day for writing and creativity. Um, it's a good day for speaking. You might be really social that day. It's really optimistic, optimistic and light energy. And then on Friday, we actually start Virgo season. So I don't know how much you guys know about Virgo, but Virgo is a very dedicated and hardworking sign. It's ruled by Mercury, so it's detailed and analytical. Although, I mean, it, because it's an earth sign and it's very feminine, um, sometimes it gets associated with Venus as well because it, it, it's a very yin type of energy. Virgo is focused on on purity and consciousness. It's it's the flip side of Pisces. It's about what sort of of rituals do I need to put into place to have a deeper experience of life. So um you know, it's not, you know, if Pisces is all about meditating and connecting to God, Virgo is about what type of like how we put meditation into our day-to-day -day practice, um, how we practice serving and loving the people in front of us. It's about practicing our connection to ourselves and our connection to God on the physical plane. So when Virgo season hits, often it's a really good time to pay attention to the physical plane. So pay attention to your diet. Pay attention to your body and whether you're exercising and taking care of it. Um, practicing movement. Virgo season is a good time to get really clear on what's working and, and what's not working in your life. It's a good time um, to get organized. You know, it's actually probably the best time to, to clean your house top to bottom. Like, screw spring cleaning. Let's just start, you know, doing all of that during Virgo season because that's when you're gonna, you know, probably get the most bang for your buck with trying to organize anything in your life. So it's a good time to get really clear on your finances, to get rid of any old, you know, cluttered junk that's in your house. It's a it's a good time for taking inventory. And so that's what I would recommend that you do this week. Um, but especially just this, you know, whole next month while we're in Virgo season. Use that energy to your benefit. Take care of yourself and get yourself set up for, you know, fall and winter. Because that's what Virgo is, is asking of us. Um, what else we got here? And then on Saturday, we have Venus conjunct Mars. Um, and so Venus is the feminine principle, and Mars is the masculine principle. And so Venus conjunct Mars is, it's, you know, a time when we are balanced 
balanced often internally between the masculine and feminine principles within us. And so it's a really good day for exploring who you are outside of those essences or that role. So connecting back to, because everything is, is kind of neutralized at that time, it's also a really good time for relationships because you're able to see eye to eye, um, whether that's, you know, a heterosexual relationship or not. Just, you know, in most relationships, there's a masculine and, and, and a feminine pool. So um, it's a good time to connect with, you know, the opposite essence or energy of you. Um, and it's a really good time for getting clear again on what you want out of love and partnership and then using that Mars energy to create a plan and to start moving forward in, in the way that you need to move forward. Um, this week, I mean, really, like I'm looking at the, the chart right now and it, it's interesting because we have um, a lot of fire and a lot of earth little bit of, of water, but that's in, in outer planets, um, and no air. So fire and earth are, are not the same at all. So the interesting thing is like this week, you might be feeling really passionate, really dynamic. You might want to move. You might be impatient. You might be fiery, all these different things. Um, and then you might flip into being a little bit more you know, grounded and calm and practical and wanting to focus on, you know, the details of things. And so, I mean, I would bet that we're all going to be a little bit more fired up this week just because the Sun, Moon, Mercury, and Venus right now, as of today on Sunday, are all in fire signs. So definitely use that energy to your benefit, you know. Um, get out, move your body, you know, you know, take your partner out, um, have wildly good sex, like do all of those things because once, you know, we move into Virgo season and things start getting a little bit um, more grounded and earthy, we're going to have to just take care of business. So have fun this week and take care of yourself. And yeah, I'm just checking to see if there's anything else that you guys should know. But Really, what I would do this week is I would, I would focus on, you know, use the fire and the earth energy together to focus on your health. That would be my best um, piece of piece of advice. Um, get really clear on what you need to do to take care of your your soul home, to take care of your body. That's what Virgo wants from us, anyways, and we're moving in that direction. So. I hope you guys all have a really good week. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, there will be an episode all about human design launching on Thursday, so stay tuned for that. Um, and I will, you know, put up a little question box in my Instagram again this week for questions for next week. I hope you guys all have a really good week. I just said week. 4,000 times, but whatever. I hope you guys do have a really good week and I will chat with you soon. If you like this podcast, please rate and review and uh, give us your feedback and let me know uh, what you're loving and what you're not loving.